Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, five wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation Point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, and Susan's latest book, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at the Wise Woman University. But you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Rebecca. Hi, Susan. How are you this evening? I am doing well. It sure was a lot of fun talking with you and Linda Conroy last night. Yeah, a good teleseminar. Wow. So much interesting information that she had to share. If you listeners weren't able to join us for Linda Conroy talking about how to create a um, herbal gathering, Herbal Conference, Women's Herbal Conference. I think that teleseminar was recorded and is available as a recording. So check that out because it was a wonderful, wonderful evening that we had. Thanks so much, Rebecca, for 
introducing us and moderating and being there. We really appreciate you. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. Love listening in. So, <laughs> benefit of being there. <laughs> well, I had occasion to go down mm-hmm. to New York City on Friday, and all of the cherry trees in New York City were in bloom. It was so beautiful. And then today, all of the cherry trees here started blooming, so I feel like I've gotten a double dose on cherry blossoms this year. And and why not? They're so beautiful. Mm. Just amazing. Yeah. And then I had some friends who just got back from um, Holland. They took just a short trip over to Holland. And they said they arrived in Delft and on the train, and there were tulip fields. And you just see all these beautiful tulips. And when they left, it was just bare earth because they had harvested them all for the cut flower market. Oh, <laughs> They come and go so fast. (laughs) Yeah, what a bummer. (laughs) Whoa, good thing they saw them before they were gone. Wow. Spring is like that. We have ours are blooming. And I've uh, I've been putting some in. What's that? Spring is like that. Ours are blooming, yeah. And and I'm putting them in my salads. And yeah, I just love that sweetness that they they offer. And they're so bright and beautiful. And. I took one to a salad with a bunch of blossoms and into a celebration of life this weekend, and it was everybody was like, "Wow, you know, just like brighten the the, the spread up on the table." So <laughs> it does. They're in the tulips were in the lily family. I think they might have been taken back out into their own family. They kind of go back and forth. There's the tulipidaceae, and then there's the liliaceae. And for a long while, everything was lumped into the liliaceae. Um, <clears throat> But in general, plants in that, shall we say, category, if it's not in the family anymore, um, if their blooms are pointing up, they're usually safe to eat. But if the blooms are pointing off to the side like a daffodil, it will be poisonous. Or if they point down, it could be poisonous too. So Mm -hmm. that's just a little rule of thumb that's pretty easy to use. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny too how people like they they'll know who and they're like, oh, you brought that salad. <laughs> it's like they could just point it out and know that <laughs> know that I'm the one that brought it. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> yes, exactly. M- must be yours. It's got color in it, flowers in it. Right. Right. <laughs> so eat your tulips. Leave the daffodils alone. It's the deer do. Yes. That's why daffodils are considered to be deer proof. Yeah, and, and daffodils have like a they don't they don't have the same like but people always do when I bring the edible flower salads they're like, Wow, I didn't know you can eat that, you know, it's like are they're kind of afraid to eat it because yeah, I think there's so many poisonous flowers and plus people just don't know, so Well actually there aren't that many poisonous flowers. In fact, even if a plant is poisonous the flower often isn't, especially if it's insect pollinated, because, well, you don't really want to poison your pollinator. That's true. Like the vinca, like you wouldn't want to use the rest of the plant, really. But like the the flowers, people are always like, "Isn't that like poisonous?" But I'm like, I, you can eat a few of the flowers. It's not exactly. Not I going say to you hurt know, you. two flowers a person per day, you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. I was I was looking at a fun book that I got. It's uh, just almost a coffee table size big book called The Amazing Healing Power of Nature, How Plants and Animals Improve Your Health. Mm-hmm. 
more than 140 plants, animals, and microorganisms that have yielded major medicinal benefits. Yeah, and I always think of, like, all the weeds in the the yard, like, what they're doing for the soil, not just for us, but, you know, like, in turn, that, like, builds such, like, a healthy microbiome for us and for the soil and just keeping, like, all of those, you know, really important, like, weeds growing. They're there for a reason, you know, like, the earth knows what it's doing. You know, it's very intelligent in that way, so kind of letting it do its own thing. Right. And adding to it. <laughs> In the 1950s, a Bulgarian pharmacologist, Dimitar Paskov, investigated snowdrops, the beautiful little flower, after noticing a widespread Bulgarian folk medicine, which used snowdrop leaves and bulbs to rub on the forehead to ease pain. He extracted from it a compound called galatamine, and he found that galatamine could restore communication between nerves damaged by polio. It, in fact, became a major treatment for the symptom of polio in Eastern Europe for decades. And it was sometimes prescribed hmm. for other medical conditions involving the nervous system and muscles such as muscular dystrophy. But it wasn't until the 1990s that Alzheimer's researchers turned their attention to this substance. They were searching for new compounds. And they found that this compound improved memory and thinking skills, especially in people with Alzheimer's disease. Galantamine soon emerged as a prime contender for helping people with Alzheimer's. It works like tacrine, but without the liver side effects. And in the late 1990s, German and Swiss studies showed that it did indeed hold promise against Alzheimer's in human beings. The FDA approved it in 2005, and initially it was manufactured using synthetic galantamine. But by the early 2000s, the main natural source of the compound snowdrops was fast disappearing due to habitat destruction and decades of extensive harvesting for use in drugs and folk remedies. And synthetic galatamine is really expensive to produce. So after examining a range of potential sources, they found daffodils contained galatamine. And it turned out that the conditions in the, in the rugged Black Mountains of Wales produce daffodils with very high levels of galantamine. So... Hmm. There is what this book has to say about daffodil. Because don't of course, put them in your salad. <laughs> every, don't put them in your salad, but every poison is a drug. Every drug is a poison. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Well, I got to tell you, Rebecca, things are looking so good in my life. Wow, I got a new car. Of course, good. It's not not new, but it replaces the car that a deer used to commit suicide with which left the front of my car looking not very pretty at all. And um, Philip fixed my computer. The computer store said they couldn't, but our friend said, give me some time and I will. It only took him a couple of months, but he figured out what was wrong. It was a $22 wire and he replaced it. Wow, that's awesome. So I had my computer back. Yeehaw. And the galleys of the book are at the printer. This is not the finished book 
This is the uncorrected, unindexed galley proofs, but they are at the printer, and I will have them in hand when I am at the Women's Herbal Conference, the Midwest Women's Herbal Conference, the one that I was talking to Linda about last night. So by the end of May, and that's if you're there, you'll be able to see what the book will look like. There's illustrations missing. There's typos. Um, there's all kinds of stuff, but it will be available for us to start looking at and commenting on, and that's why you do bound printed galleys, because you want to have those six months before the book is actually published so that you can get the blurbs that wind up on the back of the book when it is published, right? Mm-hmm. All those nice things people say about the book, how do they know to say that? Aha, they got bound printed galleys. So, mm-hmm. hooray. Hooray. Things are are yeah. going my way. Yeah. Do you have apprentices out there right now? Apprentices don't start this year until the middle of May. There'll be two apprentices coming in in the middle of May. We had the first work exchange weekend, and there were Mm -hmm. two women here uh, doing work exchange weekends as a prerequisite to applying for apprenticeship. Okay. Are you requiring that now? I'm requiring either a two-week live-in apprenticeship or – coming to um, 10 workshops or 10 work exchange days or any combination thereof. Hmm, cool. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, that way women have a chance to suss it out. Uh, It's really disappointing to me when women make a commitment and then break it immediately. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And surely it's not good for them. It's not good for anybody to break their commitment. So hopefully this mm-hmm. way people will be able to make a commitment that they can actually keep. Mm-hmm. Speaking of commitments and keeping commitments, please take a bow. I am so pressed with the guest that you've got us to interview tonight. Oh my gosh. <gasps> Are you ready? Everybody? <laughs> going to be talking with Lynn Andrews. That's right. Yes, the author, the shaman, Lynn Andrews, is going to be right here answering wonderful questions about the healing circle of elder women that she is part of, about what she does with shamanism, about the mystery school and the writing school that she has If you don't know about Lynn Andrews and Agnes Whistling Elk and Ruby Plenty Chiefs, you have been missing out on some of the best stuff that is going. I remember opening up Medicine Women, oh, those many, 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 many years ago. And one of the very first things that it says in there is medicine men don't like to admit that medicine women have all the power. (laughs) And I thought, That's the truth. I like this woman. She likes <laughs> <laughs> so that's who we're going to be talking to at 9 o'clock tonight. Lynn Andrews, stay here or come back, whichever, but be sure that you get to listen in because it's going to be a lot of fun. Yes, I am looking forward to it. And we do have about six people with their hands raised so far. If you have a question for Susan, please press one to put your call in the queue. And are you ready for the first questions? I am. Let's get started. (laughs) Okay. The first caller is coming from the 787 area code. 
Hi, Susan. Congrats on things going your way. Yay. <laughs> it's so good to have um, your book about to be printed. And, and like you said, criti- critique so that everything could be fixed and ready to go. I'm exactly. looking forward. Exactly. Yes, it's just the galleys. It's not the actual book, but it should be. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah. exciting yeah. to have it in hand. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that book when it comes out. I'll definitely Thank we'll you. Somebody it. suggested we take pre-orders, so we might do that. Oh, that. yeah. Yeah, do that. Please. Yeah. Okay, so my story is going to be about my – I have a daughter who's three and a half. All right. And um, last Thursday I went with my daughter for her dental cleaning. She has been going to the dentist since she was 12 months. So um, during the cleaning, to my dismay, she um, the dentist tell, tells me she has two small cavities on the buckle of her molars. The side of the molars, I could actually see the tiny hole. And she said they wanted to take x-rays, in which I denied. And I told her, if you and I both can clearly see that she has a cavity, why do we need to x-ray? In which the dentist said insurance won't cover the filling if we don't prove there's a cavity. And um, she said they will give her laughing gas and put a composite filling and when I asked her about the silver amalgam, she mentioned that they have mercury and that composites are safer and last longer. And I told her I disagree with her, um, that I'd rather have mineral than plastic in my daughter's mouth, and that I'm not even sure if I want to go with a filling. At such an early age, it could be traumatizing. And she then said that they could do silver diamine fluoride she also said that the x-ray is as much radiation as walking outside. So I did some research and found out that the silver diamine fluoride at least is more pleasant and there's no drilling except the cavity turns black. And the silver ions spread to other teeth, thus preventing um, other teeth from cavity subception. However, I don't know if the silver will be too much of like a burden for the liver. And my concern is, it's also like about the x-ray. I'm, I'm concerned about the accumulation of small doses of x-rays, um, you know, especially on my child. Like, um, and so what are your thoughts on digital dental x-rays on toddlers? Um, should I do the silver diamine fluoride? If I try to heal it naturally and for whatever reason the cavity does not heal, I just read the book. Cavities do not heal. They don't. There's no such thing as healing a cavity. Mm. So even the guy, um, I read the book Cure to Decay by Ramiel Nagel, mm-hmm. and and he's he he's very much done a lot of um, the Weston Price and Sally Fallon. Like he like he recommends like high vitamin butter oil and cod liver oil and raw milk and and like you know. Oregon grass-fed meat and limited grains, and um, he says that sometimes people are able to remunerate, I can't say it, healing. Tooth itself is protected by enamel. There are bacteria in the mouth that, as they grow and reproduce, make acid. And that acid erodes the enamel of the tooth. Once the enamel of the tooth is eroded, then bacteria 
can enter into the actual tooth itself. That is what we call a cavity. Even if you could remineralize, you would still have that cavity. Okay. And I haven't ever seen anyone successfully do that. Okay. So do you feel that... Are you talking about a childhood toother? I'm sorry, a what? Are we talking about an adult tooth? She's no, how old? My, my toddler. She's three and a half. So this is a tooth that she's going to lose anyhow. She's going to lose it, but it's it's a it's a molar. So I think you lose those when you're like ten, right? Like ten, eleven, maybe. What I'm saying is that whatever you choose as a filling, it's not going to be in her mouth for that long. Okay. For that long. Um, under however, 10 years. I, yeah, under 10 years. However, like the drilling, like, do you think like the silver diamine fluoride since is like no drilling? So, what's like, the problem with the drilling? I just feel like it's going to hurt. Like, she's so afraid of needles and, and all of that that she would be like traumatized. So I think the dentist said they would give her laughing gas, yes? Right. Is that safe? It's safe when it's given properly. Is it safe to ride in a car? Did you go to the dentist in a car? Right. No, yeah. I totally understand um, that angle. Um, second, how about the x-rays? So she would not experience the drilling. She would not know that it was going on. And what the drilling does is it removes the part of the tooth where the bacteria have eaten the tooth. And where the bacteria have eaten the tooth, they have died and left their dirty dishes behind. Drilling removes that and leaves a clear, open space in which the filling is put, which prevents bacteria from getting back in there. Mm. You know what's interesting? Like I like I said, I've been taking her since she was twelve months. Like how come they didn't catch that she was like developing a cavity and then because it this was like in six months this happened. Like I she's she's been having a good like clear, 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 all of a sudden mm, she has a cavity. A cavity can easily develop in less than six months. Okay. Let me again repeat. The bacteria that cause cavities are always in your mouth. If there's enough acid in your mouth from those bacteria or from sugars, then that acid can erode the enamel of the tooth, allowing the bacteria to enter and to cause a cavity. This can literally happen in a week. Hmm. So it's you're, like saying, how come somebody didn't tell me my car was going to be in an accident today? Why do I have a new car? Because a deer materialized in the road in front of me. I, I'm... I, 
stunned that you're trying to blame somebody because I don't operate from blame and shame and guilt. Oh, no, no, I'm not trying to blame. I'm just trying you to... Oh, like, you I, said I I'm thought... surprised they didn't see this. That's a blame. Okay. I'm surprised that they didn't see this. I could see That's how blaming. You... Okay. I could see how that could, yeah, could sound like blaming. I'm not trying it to is. blame them, but... You are. You expected them to see it six months ago. That is blaming. Why don't you say, I'm surprised I didn't see it? But I'm not suggesting you do that. I'm not suggesting you put any blame anywhere. But it's certainly not helpful to put false blame on the people who are helping. And they sound like they're being very accommodating and doing their absolute best to help you get what you want. Okay. So you don't you don't believe do you agree or disagree that nutrition it's mainly the reason why we get cavities, not necessarily bacteria. Like you you're a firm believer that it's bacteria, it's not necessarily nutrition. What allows the bacteria to get into the tooth? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah, I am listening and you say acid It doesn't sound like What allows the bacteria to cause a cavity? Acid. And what causes that acid? Different kinds of foods. And so why are you telling me that I don't think nutrition has anything to do with this? Because I'm just asking, like, if nutrition... You're asking an either-or question. Is it nutrition or is it bacteria? What I am saying is, so far as I know it, the truth which it is both food and bacteria. The cavity is caused by bacteria, but those bacteria are always present. The enamel has to be thinned and eroded in order for the bacteria to get in, and food can do that. I do not think it is possible today to prevent cavities in children's teeth. The children you don't that think I see that have the most cavities are children who are breastfed. Hmm. And I rather suspect, suspect that breast milk is more acidic than formula. And the mothers who are breastfeeding are more likely to allow their children to go to sleep while nursing. Now, all milk is acidic. It contains lactic acid. And a child who falls asleep while nursing sleeps then with acid all over her. All right, Susan. Well, thank you so much for your time. You are welcome. And, I, you know, I hear your frustration with the dentist saying insurance isn't going to pay for this unless I turn in an X-ray. And you understand Mm -hmm. that that's because insurance doesn't want dentists just saying, I'm filling a cavity and then not actually doing it. Right. And there are doctors who scam the insurance company. company. Do you think that I could tell them that that I could There's a investigation now into some of the largest health insurers in the country who apparently have been scamming billions of dollars out of Medicare. Wow. 
That's, yeah, I could understand so that. It's a real problem for the insurers to control people's lives. We perhaps suffer from that because then we have to ante up for the x-ray because otherwise your insurance isn't going to pay for it. So your choice is to say, I'll pay for it, no x-ray, or x-ray and let the insurance pay for it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, I'll pay for it and forget the insurance. Like, that way she doesn't at least have the x-ray. Always a choice. Yeah. Thankfully, we have that. (laughs) All right. Thanks Thank for calling. You. Dream blessings. Okay. Dream All blessings. Right. The next caller is coming from the 570 area code. Hello? Hello? Hi. How are you um, tonight? I'm great. How are you, Susan? Feeling feeling good. Let's see. I can paraphrase uh, what somebody said to me. Actually, it's exactly what he said to me. He said, uh, if I'm feeling so good, if there, I feel, felt any better, that'd have to be two of me. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so I live in northeastern Pennsylvania, only a couple hours from you. And um, last year I heard you talking about Celandine. Um, styliform styphilum, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And um, I have had, I'm uh, blue eyed. I'm not at all understanding what you're saying. Okay, like it's a poppy. It's, it's, um, I think it's celandine poppy. Celandine. Yes. Celand, C E L A N D I N E, celandine. Celandine. Okay. Uh huh. Um, I always see so a big I've, neon sign, sell and dine. Dine. Okay. Sell and dine. Thank you. That's great. Right. Right. And the um, botanical name is Chelidonium magus. Okay. I must have gotten that wrong. I, I, tr- I looked it up, and it must have um, shown up wrong. There so are several celandines. There's lesser celandine. There's the major celandine. There's European celandine. The one we're talking about is Chelidonium magus. When you break the leaf, there is a yellow sap which rapidly oxidizes to orange. Okay. Um, I hope I got that one because um, what I learned from listening to your show last year was that aided to heal um, skin cancer. Um, So I did buy two from um, Thomas Jefferson's place in Monticello, Virginia, and they're blooming now. So um, my question was, when do when can I like harvest that sap from from the stem for that use of like healing skin cancer? We're not allowed to to you and I to say that any plant heals anything. Okay. That's- that's against well, the law. I for want us. to use the right. I want to use the right verb. So we shouldn't so say that because I that would that. get us into trouble. Um, I okay. have seen celandine fresh sap applied to problem areas remove the problem. Remove the problem. Okay. Fresh sap applied directly. So my question is: Right now, I have two plants that are blooming beautiful yellow flowers. Is mm-hmm. that my the question? The fresh like, sap. 
from the fresh plant must be applied. The fresh sap must be applied. Okay. My so now would be the appropriate time, tonight right? that no one is understanding me? Okay. You just, can't just preserve validating. You can't harvest it. You apply the fresh sap. That's it. Okay. Okay. When right, you have that problem, you go out to your celandine, you break off a leaf, and you put the sap on the problem area. Okay. All right. Do that Wonderful. Do three times a day until that problem area is not a problem. What I see is that if you put the sap on an area that you think might be a skin cancer, if it is, it will absorb the sap and darken in color. Whereas something that isn't a skin cancer and normal skin turns kind of yellowy orange from the pigments in the sap. Okay. So I also use it as an at-home diagnostic. Of course, it's not as diagnostic as an actual biopsy. But um, I've worked with several people who've had numerous skin cancers, and they have... Uh, said that it's been really helped guide them into which things need to be biopsied and which can be left alone. Wonderful. Thank you. That's wonderful information. Um, I have another question, which is about St. John's wort. Um, St. John's wort is one of my wonderful allies. I planted three of them two years ago. Um, The first year I... um, had wonderful red tincture from them. Beautiful. And I've used that last year. I, I picked the flowers in June. They were, and I, and they didn't turn red. Um, and I made a lot of it. Um, and so um, I'm just a little nervous this year because I use so much of it. Um, is that I don't, I'm not sure why it didn't turn red. Do you have any information about that for me? Was it raining near the time when you picked them? Um, I mean, it might have been, but because it was a tincture, I didn't think that water was such an issue of it. But that well, was, you can it was see a very, that it, it is. It was a very rainy year. No, it was yes. a very rainy year last year. Exactly. It was very rainy. Exactly. That red comes from oil, which is produced in the okay. sun and diluted okay. by rain. Okay. All right. That was it. Okay. I bought another one and I planted it just to be sure because I have to have my St. John's wort. So the water, if it's a really rainy year, you won't get that red, that redness from it. You have to wait. Okay. I usually harvest it on the sunniest possible day, and only okay. have been quite a few sunny days. Several In sunny fact, days. Okay. I generally don't harvest any plant within 36 hours of of rain. I mean, I know you've said that as far as, like, plants that you use for oil, oils, but I didn't know that Any, rang true for, like, tinctures also. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Good to know. And, again, you can okay. the truth of that, right? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. It didn't I was really work. Upset. No, it didn't at all. You can okay, use well, that thank vodka. You. you can use that vodka to make your tincture this year, you know? Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I will. I'll. I thought the same thing. I thought, well, I'll just reuse the same vodka. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, and well, you have a blessed night. You too.
Bye. Bye-bye. Green blessings. Okay. Oops. Somebody keeps calling on my computer here, and I'm not sure what's going on with that. Let's see if I can. Uh, there we go. Your mom? Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> what's that? I said your mom. Okay, where are we? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> it's some random person on Facebook, of all things. All but, things. But, um, yeah, or on Messenger or something. Okay, the next caller is coming from 206 area code. Hi, Susan. Hi. It's so good to hear you. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I have been trying to figure out what's happening with my digestion. The main complaint I have right now is I have massive bloating, and it feels like a giant balloon in my gut. And the bottommost edge where I can feel it is at the top of my pubic line, pubic hair line. Mm-hmm. And then it goes all the way to the inside of my hip bones and all the way up to just beneath my belly button. And it's just like round and kind of kind of hard and taut, but, but slightly springy like a, like a rubber ball. Um, and it, it's, it's a constant thing in the last, I'd say for the last week, solid. It's been this way. And it, this happens every few weeks. And I think that it's linked to my menstrual cycle, even though I'm kind of in the early stages of menopause. I was going to um, ask where you were vis-a-vis menopause, because this is a very common menopausal complaint. Okay. Okay, well, I've been um, I've been working with dandelion root, and I will take a dropper full of tincture before I eat. I also make um, nourishing infusion of dandelion root um, every couple of days and drink that. Um, I also have made sage infusion, and I'll dilute it about half infusion and half water and drink that. I do not ever suggest that anyone make infusion of any plant in the mint family. Got it. Because of the volatile oils. Yes. Right. Okay. Got it. Not kind to your kidneys and your liver. Okay. And diluting by half is nowhere near good enough. I would say make sage infusion a tablespoon in eight ounces of water. Got it. Okay. Good to know. And why might you do that? Because you want to dry up your breast milk, because you want to dry up um, your underarm perspiration, um, because you perspire too freely all over your body. Sage is a very strong astringent, and it dries Mm. up in the body. Okay. Okay. So I think the dandelion before meals is a, a nice, Does it seem to help? I've been doing it for about 10 days, and it doesn't seem to be helping, which is one of the reasons I'm calling. It should help on the first day you use it. Okay. Okay. So it's not helping. Generally, what's happening during menopause is that the body makes many more hormones in much greater quantity than usual. 
And the liver has a hard time dealing with all of these hormones. Mm. And that does have a kickback into digestion, especially with bloating. My sweetheart said that he loved menopause because I'd get up in the morning and put on a pair of pants, and by the afternoon I'd have to have them unbuttoned and unzipped, which meant if I leapt up quickly, my pants hit the floor. So he said, oh, I love this menopause. This is great. You're always dropping your pants. (laughs) (laughs) And I I don't know if you have noticed, but... um, in the ensuing 25 years from the time when I went through menopause to the time that you went, are going through menopause, one of the gifts that the, the prior menopausal women now offer you is a vast array of elastic waist pants. Yes. <laughs> so that you don't have to drop your pants or wear different pants in the evening than you do in the morning. I really like aromatic seeds as carminatives. Carmen is the Italian word for sing, and a carminative makes you sing, as uh, as we say. And mm-hmm. uh, the aromatic seeds like fennel seed or anise seed or even caraway seed or coriander seed um, are wonderful allies in relieving bloating and gas. Okay. And again, you should get... You should get relief within the hour. I put a teaspoon of aromatic seeds in a teacup, pour boiling water over it. If you want honey, add a little bit of honey, wait a minute, and then drink it. Okay. It's literally a tea. It's not an infusion because, again, we don't want those volatile oils. Got it. And that should give pretty immediate relief. That's really great news. That's great. Is there anything else I could be doing to nourish um, digestion? I do the rotation of the five nourishing herbal infusions in addition to in the evening I'll have a cup or two of the dandelion root infusion. I don't um, there's anything wrong with your digestion. Okay, it's just what's happening with the hormones in the liver. Got it. Correct. So I bow to you that you can drink dandelion root infusion. That is nasty stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure I how like much it. good it's I doing. It has a little bit of Classically, a dandelion is taken before you eat in order to have an influence. Mm-hmm. So okay. drinking it in the evening, presumably after you've eaten, is kind of like uh locking the barn door after the horses escaped? <laughs> Got it. It's thought that the dandelion needs to come in before the food. Got it. So a little aperitif of dandelion wine. I also think that there's probably better response if you kind of switch it around. You do a little bit of dandelion infusion before meals one day or for a week, and then you do some dandelion wine for another day or a week or whatever, and some dandelion root tincture. Dandelions are blooming. Make some dandelion flower vinegar. Make some dandelion flower fritters. Get some dandelions in your salad. Don't just think dandelion infusion. Really think of a lot of different ways to get dandelion into your meals because, again, remember... Mm -hmm. The more in conjunction with the food that dandelion comes in, the greater effect it can have. Great. Okay. So making it a food is the ideal thing for it and for you. Yes. 
Okay, got it. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Green blessings. Green blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The next caller is coming from the 828 area code. Hello. Hello, Sassoon. Hi, Marita. Yeah, my gosh, how are you doing? Uh, you know, Girl, I, I am just, you know, feeling so extraordinarily wonderful today. Yeah, having solved the issue of not having a car, and I now have a car, and it's even registered and insured, all right. And having solved the issue of not having a computer, my computer is back and working. And having gotten my manuscript off to the printer and knowing that my daughter and granddaughter are going to be home next week. I mean, wow, how could life get any better? Yeah, and what a beautiful, beautiful spring day for oh, it to have. Gorgeous day. Oh, my gosh, it was that with I the goats all day. That was the most beautiful day of the year, almost. Really? I felt like all the violets were blooming just for me. I know. That's so egotistical, isn't it? Well, you know what? It should. <laughs> I said, I I thank you for making all these violets for me I today. At least one day in a hundred years, everything should be blooming for you, for God's sake. <laughs> you know, I I tell you, I um, locked in on your happy knee thing, you know. So oh, I, okay. I spent, yeah, I spent the evening with you last night and and uh, some hours uh, today really in depth of, you know, taking it in. And I can't tell you how I missed you, you know, just like, oh, there's my oh, sister. Oh, 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 oh. She's so beautiful. Oh, my God. You're hugging the willow tree and everything. Oh, my God. <laughs> Such a beautiful, beautiful soul. And, my God, you know, talking about commitment, my Lord have mercy. I feel sorry for people who don't make a commitment to this work, you know, to these plants. But the being, you know, the reason, of course, why I um, did all that is because I have a cranky knee. And uh, I had um, a meniscus tear in it a couple of months ago, and then uh, the pain continued. And, you know, so I had an MRI. My doctor called me up yesterday, and he said, oh, you have arthritis in it and also wear a chair. And then I thought, well, let me go to your website and look. And then I looked in my freezer and I had some pokeberries, frozen pokeberries from last year. And I took three, just swallowed them. And then I saw that you actually said, oh, don't drive or anything. But, you know, I got in my car and I did drive and and lo and behold, it does make you feel sort of like you had a wine glass of wine or more. And but the pain went away, and I haven't had any pain all day long. And I went swimming and walked up and down these stairs, and I was just like, "You've got to be kidding me! It really works." Is that now? But taking it's so amazing, you know, the, isn't it? <laughs> it's just so amazing that this. Yeah are right there in such abundance for us. That is unbelievable. And I I was, I, I could see, you know, because you're saying this uh, in your course there, that uh, 
you know, stay home when you're taking them so you know how they work on you. And, and <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. But you're an experienced wild woman, so you can do that. <laughs> I, I was so, I couldn't believe it when I looked in my freezer and I thought, oh, my God, it's some from last year. Yes. And there they went. And then so that has, uh, is of course, making me totally ecstatic. And then I also saw that uh, you really like juniper berries and that turmeric really does not get into the joints like that, you know. What a lot of people are doing is mixing it with um, chocolate and and making turmeric hot chocolate. Oh, really? Well, you know what, I've noticed. That's to work. And, and of course, traditionally in India, the turmeric is cooked in oil before the food is added. So yeah. I think that there's something about the fat in the milk, right? Yeah. That is helping it get in to people's bodies. I was just reading; they just did a study on orange uh, juice. Yeah. Orange juice, and they found that you get yeah. more vitamins from frozen orange juice than from fresh orange juice because it's broken down in a way that your body can utilize it. Well, yeah. But, you know, I've also seen people add black pepper, but it seems like black pepper is an inflammatory, you know? What it do you think? is, but it's used a lot in places where turmeric is used. So, And it has... Yeah. In the Ayurvedic tradition, which is quite heroic, it has a, a long history being used to push things into the body. Yeah. And that it is, it is, you know, and that's exactly what it's doing. It's causing a slight inflammation, and that inflammation then um, lets more stuff in, which is how you get allergies, right? That's how you what get what? That's how you, that's, that, that is the path of allergic responses, is that the allergen causes a slight inflammation, and that inflammation, inflammation lets the allergen get deeper into the tissues, and then you have an allergic reaction. I see. But it starts with the inflammation. So they use that. They use the black pepper to cause that slight inflammation to get the turmeric in. I see. Uh, well, don't you prefer to do it without the black pepper? Yes. And I find linden is a wonderful anti-inflammatory, and comfrey leaf infusion is a wonderful anti-inflammatory, and marshmallow is a wonderful anti-inflammatory. So I, you know, the... Great thing about marshmallow is it's really easy to grow in your garden. The great thing about comfrey is it's really easy to grow in your garden. The great thing about linden is that there's lots of linden trees planted everywhere because they're planted in public places and they're dwarf trees where you can easily harvest. So you can pretty easily get those, whereas turmeric, unless you live in the tropics, you have to buy. Yeah. Well, uh, I can also see that... uh that you seem to really love um, uh, what is that? juniper berries. Is that something that you really like for joints? Juniper, juniper was a real cherished 
remedy of the Swiss herbalist that I studied with. Yeah. And she, if she just really kind of wasn't quite clear on what was going on with that person, then she would suggest that they use juniper berries. To her, it was like any time anything is going on that she didn't understand, juniper was the answer. In much the way people might say to me, oh, you know, if if Susan doesn't understand what's going on, she just suggests nettle. And what she called called hay bath was really just a swath of the meadow with, you know, sink foil and red clover and yellow dock and plantain and all the wonderful meadow plants thrown into a hot bath with the person. They they call it a hay bath. I, I think of it more as a meadow bath. Uh, because it's, because it's not what most of us would think of as hay. Yeah, uh, well, I do. Much I more, do oats. I do oats and nettle um, every day. Wow. And I also, yeah, every single day of, you know, ever since you turned me onto that years ago, I, I do it every single day. And I also now because of this knee, I do burdock. Nice. uh, Do you like that in burdock root? Very nice. Lovely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, a lot of sweet potatoes. Yay, sweet potatoes. And if you haven't already, this is the time to take up Qigong. Yeah, I just ordered the book. I saw saw that on your tape. I actually ordered the same book. My Qigong teacher says that the joints have no natural way to get nutrition or lubrication unless they are moved. You know, I went and uh, <clears throat> I don't know why I haven't thought about it before, but I went swimming today in this indoor pool. Yes. And I tried, tried 20 minutes and that seemed to work all right. Oh, what a brilliant idea to be supported yeah. by the water and to have your joints supported, yes. Yeah, and and it really just like, in, in a way it felt like just moving the leg through the water was like just loosening it up a little bit, the way it needed to be loosened up naturally and yeah. flowing, you know, and I, yeah. I think that's why the Qigong, the Qigong is so important because it's so natural and Flowing and gentle, you know. And it targets getting nutrition and fluid to the joints. That's what it's about. So Uh, it's super effective for these kinds of things. The other thing that I think is really important here is that we not fall for their disease naming. That we don't what? Fall for their disease names. It's uh-huh. not important that they have decided that you have arthritis. They have found dinosaur bones with arthritis. So far as we can tell, as bones age, they tend to get a bit arthritic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if we can be at ease with the fact that we are getting older, and you are even older than I, yeah. um, right means um, that some of our joints... Um, are not going to be like they were when we were 20. 
Yeah. And the medical profession would call that arthritis. We don't necessarily have to. We don't have to call it that. Yeah, you know, I felt myself, you know, today when I went swimming, I thought to myself, you know, I, I just love that what you're saying, the cranky knee. You know, the, my knee's a little cranky, and I love that the idea of keeping it very light yes. and not naming it and not accusing the knee and not, you know what I mean, and not, you know, I'm 82 and not like, saying, and I'm just sort of like, okay, well, you know, it's time to swim. I live by the ocean. How wonderful. It's going to be summer here in a month, you know, and meanwhile, I can go to this indoor pool for a while, and and then I'll go swimming a lot, and maybe it's a great gift, you know, and so somehow, you know, it can turn it all around to uh, slow down and say hello to Susan again, and uh See all your beautiful work with the, all the plant world, and and it's just a, another loving moment in this uh, beautiful universe. What a blessed attitude! Yeah, yeah. I think it's the only way we can go, you know, to allow our lives always to be blessed and to find that blessing. Yeah. Part of it has to do with dodging the diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have to take on their yeah. take on arthritis. It's okay. Yeah. doesn't yeah. have to have a name. It can just be my cranky knee. It likes to swim. Yeah, it wants to swim instead. Right. It's trying to avoid, you know, uh, all these little demands that everybody might have. And you know what? My cranky knee needs to wash, needs to go to swim, so unfortunately, that's where it's going. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's taking you swimming. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, anyway, but it was a, a real blessing because, you know, I got there. There was many steps to go down. Yeah, you know, there's slippery floors. There right, was right. There was that to put on that I'm not used to. So, you know, the whole thing was a little precarious, but I did it. I went home. I went down there, and I went back home, and I was absolutely delirious because there was no pain, and I was yes. sort of a little bit high from the poke. And um, <laughs> <laughs> between the, between the poke and the pool, she was floating yeah, and flying. I was just like. I was actually very uh, happy. It's wonderful that you have that website where you can actually feel like you're, I'm in the room with you. You know, it's just incredible. Just Thank so you. Cool. And our, our great thanks to Justine, who does all of that videography and makes it look oh. so. Yeah, you're blessed with these people who are doing all this stuff. Truly. What a great job they're doing, yes. Yeah. What? I, I, oh my God! And your granddaughter, she's so lovely. Oh my gosh! I'm blessed with a lovely granddaughter who lives right next to me too. I mean, hooray! It's so, hooray! Oh, I know it's wonderful. Hooray for our grandchildren. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Susan, and thank you so much for everything you're doing. You you're too, the, Marita. Thanks you. for calling. My love yeah, to you, you are always. Definitely. One of the most beloved people on this earth, as far as I'm concerned. 
Uh, oh, and you know, before we say before we say our final goodbye, I took a nice walk with White Feather today at Catskill Mountain Herbals, and she was telling me about the CBD oil that she is yeah. now selling, and it's triple certified, and these people grow it organically, and she was talking about the really um, wonderful uh, successes that people are having in using CBD oil on painful joints. Um, yeah, on externally, right? Externally. She's even starting to use it a little bit internally, and she was telling me some interesting things about what she was experiencing from using tiny amounts of drop or two internally. Like one drop or two drops? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I heard about it too. And actually, you know what? When I went into that MRI, I, because I can't stand those machines, I took a couple of drops of the of that oil just to Very calm myself nice. down. To calm myself down, being yeah. in that machine. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much. So you think it's all right to just take a couple of drops of it internally? And- and to apply it externally. I really like it externally, but she was yeah. really, really interested in what she was experiencing as she was using it internally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. You are welcome. Love you, honey. Green blessings. Love but... you, too. Yeah, love you. Bye. Ah. See you later. Okay. Well, we have three callers in a row that are coming from private numbers, so... We'll just go for the first one here. Is it you? Hello. Hi. Oh, is that me, Susan? I'm not. I'm not certain. Yes, it's you. Okay, thank you, um, Susan. I have actually a question for myself. I got my ultrasound result for my breast back. And I just saw the surgeon. So I've been, they've diagnosed or they found an irregular hypoechoic mass, about half a centimeter. And so, why an ultrasound of your breast was done? Pardon me? Can you tell me why an ultrasound of your breast was done? Were you having pain? I have, Lump? Pardon me? <clears throat> so Were I you was in having pain? Did you have a lump? Actually, yes. I did have pain in my right breast, and mm-hmm. I felt that there was a a lump in the left as well. So they they did um, they did a bilateral ultrasound, and they found that there was a they, they didn't do a mammogram. No. Okay. I. I didn't want one. All right. Because um, I've basically been following you for the last few years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, the doctor said, the surgeon said that the radiologist, when he did the report, he also said that in the left axilla, the lymph node has no defined, one of the lymph nodes, or doesn't say one or many, but it has no definitive um, fatty hilum as well. So they suggested uh, ultrasound-guided fine needle aspiration biopsy. And again, I, I, I kind of just 
didn't want that. Um, so now I'm, I'm kind of, um, so the surgeon said that he can follow up with another ultrasound in a few months from now. And I just wanted to know, because the surgeon said that he's taken a look at the grafts himself and he thinks that it's a fibroadenoma. So when I asked him, it says an irregular hypoechoic mass. He says that that's what the radio, that's the radiologist terminology. And so, but I mean, they, they never know anything definite, you know, unless a biopsy is done. So I just wanted some thoughts on what I could do um, in the next little while. I do take the five um, herbal infusions regularly every week, uh, plus more, like I do the marshmallow, I do the dandelions. Uh, so, I mean, I... I so, I, again, one of the things that I find somewhat missing from people mm-hmm. who is a goal. Mm-hmm. So you have mm-hmm. pain in one breast and possibly a lump in another breast. Mm-hmm. And you go to a doctor. Mm-hmm. So my question is, what is your goal in going to that doctor? Um, well, actually, I've had cysts in the past in my breast. Mm-hmm. So... Um, because of those cysts, like, you know, the cysts come and go or they increase in size, they decrease in size. Less than have cysts rarely have cancer. Okay. Um, so I've had a history of cysts. You're not telling me what the goal was in going to the doctor. So the goal was to just, um, make sure that everything was okay. Your goal was to rule out cancer? That's right. Then you need a biopsy. Okay, but... um, If that's your goal, mm -hmm. if your goal is to rule out cancer, the only way, and you just said it, the only way to do that is with a biopsy, and even then it doesn't totally rule it out, does it? They can just say, well, we didn't get the part that that was cancer. Since we can help... What happens is that once you step into step six, once you step into break and enter, it feeds on itself. That's right. So we're going to do this test, and this test is inconclusive, so we're going to do an invasive thing, and that's inconclusive, so we're going to do something more invasive. And that's why I say, what is your goal? Okay, so I'm going to be completely because honest. Because if you don't have I a can... goal, then you're going to wind up with a mastectomy. No, I... Sure. I, okay, so I have to be completely honest. I'm, I'm, I'm on radio here. People are listening to this. So my mother was diagnosed, and my family was very apprehensive. I have been having breast pain for the last three weeks. Cancer and doesn't I... cause pain ever. Yeah, so I guess my my parents were just telling me to just go and get it checked out. And so... Um, your goal in going to a doctor was to get your parents off your back. Well, you could say that um, because I don't... Well, well I just want to say that up enough. a good way to work. get your parents off your back. 
because it mm-hmm. risks your health and your life. Yeah. Well, I, you see, I've read up on, and I, bel- I trust in you, so I've read up that when you, when you in, in, invasively go there and you try to mess around with that, then it can become a really aggressive malignancy. And so I, I choose, you know, so... So what I'm suggesting is that it was probably ill-advised to go to a doctor at all. Thank you. Okay. Because going to that doctor cannot satisfy your goal. It's not going to get your parents off your back. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, you're absolutely right. right about and that. and it, it probably won't ever satisfy the doctor that you don't have cancer. Yeah. Well, he was very good. Mother about was it. Not, your mother was diagnosed with breast cancer recently. Yes, like a month ago. So she must be well past menopause. Yeah, she's in her 70s. Menopausal cancer is not hereditary. It's only premenopausal cancer that's hereditary. Okay. Yeah, and, and nobody else has her any... uh, cutting her finger and everybody telling you you should have stitches in your finger. I know, but. People don't have your level of awareness, Susan. People are, you know. So you will sacrifice your health and your life to make them feel comfortable? I know. No, at some point you have to be willing to make people uncomfortable and say, it's my life and it's my body and I am not eating your fear. Thank you. Because that's what I felt. I, I, I can truly attest to this. And that they were afraid. And they wanted yeah. you to be afraid. Mm-hmm. And so you took their fear to the doctor. And modern medicine loves fear. Modern medicine thrives on fear. Yes. And so yeah. all they're going to do is roll that fear into a bigger ball of string. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, what I'm saying is if the goal in going to the doctor is to be free of fear, I don't think that's well advised. It's not a place to be free of fear. It's a place where you're going to be more filled with fear. Well, I do get... That's what's um, happening, right? You're feeling more afraid. You're feeling more uneasy. You're feeling less like you own your own body. Yes, absolutely. And I've never felt like that. I've had these cysts. And I walked into his office when I was diagnosed four years ago. And since then, he told me, we can do MRIs. And I said, no, I'll manage. He said, I can aspirate it. I said, I'll manage. And I've been managing, right? He palpates me once a year. He says, everything is good with you. Um, He does the occasional ultrasound. It just comes out with those, you know, cysts increasing, decreasing. But this time, I felt, I, I even told my spouse, I said, I felt a different human being walking in there. And you aren't right. I, I just said that. I said, I was full of fear. And I've never had that, Susan. Never. I, I don't operate like that. What I'm saying is it's not your fear. It's fear that was given to you from other people. And this is why it's particularly difficult to deal with. Mm-hmm. So is there something I could possibly up? 
like, you know, I mean, I'm doing the infusions. It's very important that you tell your parents that you are not willing to labor under their fear. Well, I said I'm not having the Important that you let your mother know that the fact that she has a diagnosis of breast cancer has no bearing whatsoever on your chances of having breast cancer. None. Thank you. Well, I I did say very firmly or, you know, decidedly that I wasn't having a biopsy under any circumstances. Right. So, so, it, so in a way, it's it's very incomplete. And again, that's, you know, to my mind, most people are going to doctors to get things they can't ever get. Thank you. They either wind up losing their health or their life because of going to doctors, or they have a kind of incomplete exchange, which is pretty much where you're going to be, right? Well, I don't ever usually have an exchange with doctors because since I was about 10 years old, I was told that I don't listen to them, and I've I've (laughs) never really I don't want to say negative, but I think you get the idea. Mm-hmm. So I've stayed away from them, yes, mm-hmm. because I find them very authoritarian and, um, you know, very, well, I'm not going to. The word you're looking for is afraid. Yes, they thrive on fear and they, and they, they like to. They are afraid. Um, They're afraid. And, you know, wouldn't you be too? If you spent your life inside only hearing people's problems, wouldn't you be too if colleagues were sued for millions of dollars? Yes, I can see that facet, yes. So we, that when we go to a medical professional, they are already afraid. Mm hmm. And if we take their our fear there, then we are probably going to wind up acting out of fear. Modern medicine is practiced to the greatest level of fear possible. Yes. And that is dictated by insurance companies and the experiences that people have, and what patients demand. And, of course, you know, the subtitle of my new book is The Complementary Integrated Medical Revolution. And every doctor that I have met in the past few years, I say, get ready. I'm starting a revolution. You're going to have people walking in here and telling you what they're going to do and how, how they want your help. Get well, ready. that's why basically I mean, I've been... And look at you as Mommy Daddy God anymore. <laughs> yes, that's why we love you forevermore. We do. Well, I think we need it. I think we all need it because we need care that isn't biased by fear. I've been reading a wonderful yes. book by Erica Schwartz, MD, in which she says your doctor can't help you if there's anybody else in the room with the two of you, if there's an insurance company, if there's a drug salesman, if there's an equipment salesman, right? And I would add, if there's fear in that room too, then 
then it's not going to be a successful healing exchange. So, so I, what could we do instead? Yeah. There are lots of other practitioners who are not based in fear. Chinese practitioners do not seem to be fed fear with their curriculum. Mm-hmm. So it's a, certainly a worthwhile thing to even contemplate, well, there's something going on in my breast. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I don't want to go to somebody who's going to be afraid and suggest treatment based on fear. I'm going to go check in with somebody who studied acupuncture. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm going to go to a physical therapist. Physiotherapy? Physical therapy? Yeah. A physical therapy? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome Who time. are the healers in your community? Perhaps it's a homeopath. Perhaps it's a physical therapist. Ask around. Make appointments with people. Mm-hmm. There are people who are really excellent at what they do, so excellent at what they do that it doesn't really matter if what they do is your first choice. Yeah, I was I was thinking of osteopathy as well. Exactly. Mhm. Exactly. I'm not saying don't reach out for help. Of course, it always makes sense to reach out for help. What I'm saying is don't reach out for help in the direction of fear. Yeah. And, because and I, it I, gets I, more and more fearful, and it gets more feel, fearful pretty fast. And even if I don't have anything, something is going to manifest from that fear, and I know that. So I don't want to go down that path at all. At all. So see if there's somebody else who could offer you some help. What I call this is a different story. In other words, the the MDs have their story of what's going on. Mm Mm-hmm. You even said, what's this, you know, uh, and they said, oh, that's the story of the radiologist, right? Yeah, and he's the same radiologist who about a year and a half ago said to me, why are you coming in? You just have benign cysts. And I thought, exactly. oh. So you see, even, even within a profession, people have different stories. And so what I'm suggesting is find a story that isn't based on fear. And yeah. The and the story always has a plot. So you'll have somewhere to go once you have a different story. Okay, so look out for alternative. Um, is there right. anything? Help, so help I'm happy that you are drinking nourishing herbal infusions. Religiously, I, yeah. I don't take rice for dinner. Do you take rice for dinner? No. Take is a word that we use about a drug. Drink is a word we use about infusion. Yes. So yeah, we don't take infusions. We drink infusions. They are yeah, food. I drink well, nourishing herbal. Drink infusions. nourishing herbal infusions. Wonderful. And if you are also drinking dandelion and marshmallow, it's because you have a specific need for those. No, I just sometimes like to complement because it's good for inflammation. The marshmallow um, and dandelion, you know, is good for just overall digestion. It is. You, I don't think you're getting anything from the marshmallow that you're not getting from the linden. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So, you know, yeah. it, if there's a special reason for using marshmallow, fine. But I don't, I don't think that the 
the infusions need to be added onto. Again, what I'd rather see you do is start um, getting more mushrooms into your diet, more seaweed into your diet, more wild food into your diet. Any tinctures I could take for breast health specifically? You do have my book, yes? My I breast. do, but I've loaned it to my friend whose mother has stage 4 cancer. Because there's a whole section on food. Yes, so I, Cabbage I family do the plants. Meal, I do the Cabbage tomorrow. family plants really are at the top of the list. Get some fresh burdock and cook it up. Yeah, I just did that last week. Okay. More beans. Uh, more lentils, more hummus, more peanut butter. Okay. Yeah. Those promote healthy breast tissue. Okay. So if I had a lump in my breast, and mm-hmm. my breasts were usually cysty, and I didn't get a bad, scary feeling from the lump, I mm-hmm. might take poke root tincture. Because poke root tincture is well known for helping to resolve and remove lumps in the breast. Okay. How many I would drops? set a time limit for myself. If I didn't see some change in that in three to mm-hmm. four weeks, then I, would, then I would seek help. Okay. Then I would and say, so hmm, we- this isn't responding the way I think it should respond. Right? And depending on how you feel about that, somebody might say at that point, well, I'm not yet ready to go for help. I'm going to do some castor oil packs, and I'm going to do seven days of castor oil packs. And if I don't see a change, then I'll go for help. I'm, I'm doing the plantain um, salves, though, and I know that you've said that sometimes they dissolve tumors on their own, benign or otherwise. And also, I'm doing pomegranate seed oil with um, some frankincense in it. So how nice it must smell. Yeah, it's beautiful. So with poke root, I know um, in your in your in your um, in your writings, you've always said to be very careful. It's um, it's a serious um, herb, and so start low. How what what could I do? Two three drops. Two, three drops. Moretta was just talking about taking three berries, and she felt like she'd drunk a big glass of wine. I do have to, I do have to ask you, because you've, in all your writings, you've always said fresh poke root. It is the most impossible thing to get. All tinctures are made of dried root. There is no tincture made of dried poke root on the market because it is useless. No, all of the ones we get here from from Clef de Chambre um, and from St. Francis Herb Farm, I even call them specifically for fresh poke root. They're making poke root with dried poke root. Yeah, they're making it, and they said they've used it for years. They'll be making it with cord. Pardon me? Well, if you can't find it anywhere else, I do sell it at my... Dried poke root is useless. Yeah, and and that's that's what I was saying. I said, you know... um, I said, I cited you, and they said, are you kidding? There's some very um, learned herbalists that have used poke root uh, tincture for, for, for years. and, and ha- I, I can't remember the name of one. He cured his father of, of cancer. I'm sure you know him. I don't remember his name, Michael something. So that was the example that they cited to me because I And they're I claiming that he used tincture from dried poke. I said, could you please look into this um, further? And then he said, well, it's, it's inconclusive because he, he researched it for me for a few hours and then he called me back and he said, you know what? It, he, he mentions 
poke root. He doesn't say whether it's dried or fresh. I said, well, I think it's fresh. Fresh. And, and he's like, I think his name was Michael something Friedman, or I can't remember. Um, he said that, you know, he had cured his father of cancer. And I said, well, I'm sure it was fresh. So, yeah. okay, so I can... Yeah. Red Moon Herbs has tincture made of fresh poke root, and Catskill Mountain Herbals has tincture made of fresh poke Yeah, so I think those are all in the state, Susan, in Canada. Pretty much the seven suppliers that I've called that are huge suppliers, they all have dried. So I will I will try to source it from the states then. That's all I can do. Okay. Because if it's useless, it's it's not worth it. Exactly. Okay, so those, okay, so poke roots start with two drops, right? That's a good place to start. Some people start with one. It's up to you. Okay. And watch for three, four weeks. Okay. I usually increase the dose. If you start okay. with one, the next day you could have two. The next day you could have three and so on. Okay. So I'll start with one and, and go up. Until okay. you get symptomatic, until you start to feel lightheaded or you get diarrhea or any other side effect from taking the poke, then stop. Taking that much, go back by a drop. Now, with it, so is if it you've okay gotten to... up to six drops and you start to have side effects, then you'll go back mm-hmm. to five. Then you'll stay at five drops for three or four days, and then you'll see if you can move up to six drops. People who are using poke to cure cancer are taking hundreds of drops, mm-hmm. but they have worked hundreds. their way up to that slowly. Is it okay to combine cleavers with that? Because you want to... I just want some lymphatic drainage for the cysts also. Now, the cysts could just be because of iodine. More active in the lymph system than cleavers is. Yeah, that is true. It's rather like spraying a rose with a lily-flavored perfume. (laughs) Okay, I get the analogy. Yeah, sure. Okay. So it's redundant, basically. So, yes. We'll go there. Okay. And for cystic breasts, is it okay to use some iodine? I know seaweed is your favorite. I'm doing Dels. I'm doing, um, I'm doing um, kelp. Um, although my friend just I wish told you me would don't instead of do them. Pardon me. I wish that you would eat them instead of do them. Sorry. It's okay. It sounds like they're clients at a whorehouse <laughs> doing them. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I do stand corrected. Really, on you know, I, would I, really I just it, yes, I, I, I rather than eating seaweed. Them. Because to me, that's the point: is that these things are part of our diet; that they're not yeah. off some different universe; that we don't yeah. take them or do them with we're eating them or we're drinking them. At any rate, um, I should say green blessings and see yes, if I can squeeze in one more question before I talk to Lynn Andrews. Thank you so Thanks much so for much. a wonderful question and a great discussion. Thanks. Thanks. So please call back next week to the callers we don't get to, and this caller is also coming from a private number. Hello? Hi. Hi there. I had called in December um, about I had moved moved to the Caribbean and was looking for flower or plants here to supplement or add into my 
um, infusion rotation, and I found neem tree. No. Wonder- no. Yeah. No. You never make an infusion of anything that has a strong smell. Oh, the, oh there's too much in the leaf? Way too much. Okay. Doesn't it have a strong smell? I didn't notice it that much. And, you know, I still have some here that I okay, picked. Okay, well, I am not that and familiar I- with it. To me, every time I've been around neem, it has been really strong smelling. If you make the infusion and there is no oil on the surface of it, then you're okay. But I don't think of neem as being a nourishing plant. They're nourishing. You know what? It poured rain. I'm sorry? Sorry, Susan. It poured, absolutely poured rain today. So I wonder if maybe it's just today it's not very smelly. I suspect so. All right. Thanks so much, Susan. Green blessings. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. It is my very great pleasure to introduce Lynn Andrews to the show. She is the New York Times and international best-selling author of the Medicine Woman series, which chronicles her three decades of study and work with shamans on four continents. Her study of the way of the sacred feminine began with Agnes Whistling Elk and Ruby Plenty Chiefs, Native American healers in northern Canada. Her quest for spiritual discovery, Kirindera of the Mayan Yucatan, an Aboriginal woman in the Australian outback, and a Nepalese healer in the foothills of the Himalayas. Today, Lynn Andrews is recognized worldwide as a leader in the fields of spiritual healing and personal empowerment. Miss Andrews is a shamanic healer and a mystic herself, and is widely acknowledged as a major link between the ancient world of shamanism and modern society's thirst for profound personal healing and a deeper understanding of the ways to enlightenment. Welcome to the show, Lynn. Oh, Susan, it's so nice to hear your voice. You know, I don't think we've spoken in huh, 10 or 12 years, for heaven's sake. I know, it has been far too long. It really and it, You are such an important woman to me. You know, I feel like... You're the woman who reached out and shook me and said, look, what you're thinking is true. Don't let anybody tell you it isn't. And I know that you've done that for so many other women. I'm not hearing any voices. It looks like her uh, her call dropped here. Let's see if she calls back in. Or we can try calling her back. Thank you.
Hello. Ah, oh, there you are. I wait, Susan. Yes, Lynn. I don't know what happened. I just you were gone. I was gone. <laughs> exactly. Well, here we are back again. I was saying yeah. that that you are such an important person to me. Because through Medicine Woman, you reached out and shook me and said, don't let people tell you that what you are experiencing and believing isn't true. It is true. And it is real. You and know, it is absolutely real. And I know that you have done that for so many other women as well. Thank you. Thank you so very, very much. Well, Susan, thank you so much for all that you do. You're part of a world that I haven't concentrated on as much as I would have loved to, uh, the world of herbs and, and tinctures and all the wonderful things you were just talking about. I was listening to you for about a half an hour. And, wonderful. Uh, I'm so glad that you got to share in with that. You you were raised um, in in Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. And, and I was indeed. How did you wind up in Northern Canada with these <laughs> crazy Native American ladies? <laughs> oh, they're so fabulous! Oh boy, <laughs> crazy as you and I are. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> crazy in the best you know, of the word. <laughs> and, yeah, there was a, you know, when I was born and a little girl, I always had, and I don't know whether you had this experience or not, but I had the ability to see a little bit into people. I could tell uh, or see their aura. I could see the uh, health, actually, uh, if they needed healing in some um, in some way. And when I told my best friend when I was about seven years old was Beverly. She was a Native American girl. And we both had horses. So she'd come over in the morning and we would ride to school together. And I told her that I could see one morning that she'd been through a horrible experience. And her dad was a very uh, well-known alcoholic, very abusive. And she was so horrified that I could see her pain that we almost lost our friendship. And it was so important to me uh, to have this friend, um, because I'm an only child and for other reasons, that I was just horrified. So I began to hide who I was for many long years, and uh, I don't know why I started on this (laughs) this, uh, train of thought, but have you had experiences like that, Susan, when you were very young? In a slightly different way. I used to gather all of the children together and take them to Uh a dark, quiet place and tell them stories. And I was actually leading them in shamanic trances. Oh, for heaven's sake. I was taking us back in time. I was taking us to other places. I was taking uh, taking them to their past lives and taking them to my past lives. Wow. 
I wouldn't have been able to tell you that then. It's only, you know, the mature person looking back who says, oh, well, that's what you were doing. How interesting. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, in those days when we were, uh, came in with some abilities, it, it wasn't great. Oh, that's what you asked me about Catholic school and how, um, how I got into this. So uh, it became clear to me that I needed a teacher, kind of the end of my teens. I had um, really not involved myself in all of this uh, until, you know, my late teen, teenage years. And the Catholic school, actually, I loved it because um, there was such respect between the nuns and the students or the, uh, the Jesuit priests. And we would pray. And the most important thing of all is that there was a chapel. And I could go in there and sit when I was waiting for my dad to pick me up, which was a period of time, some, you know, occasionally, I would go in there and pray. And it was not, I'm not Catholic, but I loved the sacred space. And I think it's like Notre Dame in, in Paris and the burning of it. I was just in tears watching that because it's a sacred space and you know you can make a little tiny patch of land a sacred space or anywhere but when you think about um, a chapel or something beautiful like Notre Dame so many people put their consciousness and love of beauty and um, dedication to something greater than themselves Uh, you know a divine prime mover in their life of some kind. And um, I, I just think it's a tragedy that it burned. <laughs> somebody said to me, oh, well, you know, they're going to rebuild it. Well, that's like somebody taking a Van Gogh and it gets burned. And you say, well, I have a picture of it. I'll recreate it. <laughs> <laughs> you well, know I what I mean? I mean? I was actually quite interested to see the picture taken from above after the fire. And in fact, I would say 98% of it is untouched. Well, the roof burned uh, and the big tall spire burned. Yeah, a lot of it. As with everybody else in the world, we are all like looking at the rose window and saying, miracle, the rose window is still intact. Because to yeah. us, you know, to most of us, that's like the beating heart of that sacred yes. place. Of course, there's a goddess spring deep under there, right? Oh, yes. The site started around this spring that was dedicated to the goddess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then everything oh, grew up yeah. around there. So the original thing, the source, and literally the source, the spring, that's there and everything else is just kind of fun stuff around it yeah yeah you've yeah. Uh, gone far and, away and I, where I, did I you know. go I, I, uh, can you hear me I'm on a uh, yeah my, uh, my other handset a battery ran down and I had to switch off to this handset and it's a little harder oh. to hear me I apologize 
but I'll try to That's speak okay, up. That's okay, sweetie. I'm I not, can not, I can hear you. Okay, good. I'm not yelling. I'm just speaking up because I know the the um, the whatever the little microphone or thing is in here that allows you to hear me is not as good in this handset. So one of the things that I've experienced in my dealings with medicine women, and shaman means woman, um, is that they are not bound to the form. No. They, in a way that some people see them as tricksters because they're willing to be changeable. Yes. That's an interesting statement because, you know, it's a difference, I would say, if, if I were teaching someone. I would say that a ritual is, uh, for instance, uh, the Lakota Sioux with their Sundance or the Cheyenne, you know, or whoever does that ceremony has to have it exactly the same with the proper words and every item sacred item involved is is the same. Uh, but if you're doing a ceremony, um, then you have a piece of yourself in that ceremony, and they're always different. If you're working with someone as, for instance, you were working with someone just a little while ago, you know, you would work with that person one way, I would work with them probably a different way, and we put all that wisdom together and come up with something. Absolutely. And in most Native cultures, women our age had to work together. You weren't allowed to work alone anymore because because you needed naps. I laughed when I heard that. You you needed what? what? You needed naps. One of my teachers said that once you were over 75, you always had to work with a co-teacher because one of you would be taking a nap. A nap. <laughs> That's true. And that happens a lot uh, down in, in the Yucatan. You know, it's funny. I think the whole world is taking a great big nap. Thank you right. very much. <laughs> so, you know, so, Lynn, 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 you've written 21 books. Um, yes. I don't. I don't even know if I've read every single one of them, but I read. You know, I must have read Medicine Woman again yearly for about ten years. It was such an important book to me, and I know that that one of the things that seemed to upset people was that you speak from a modern perspective, in which yes. things have merged. It's like somebody was reading something that I, had, that I had written about plantain and said, well, you talk about Native American uses of this, but it's not a Native plant to America. It was brought here by the colonists. You know, and my response is, yes, and Native people have been using it for 300 years since then. <laughs> this doesn't count as Native use. So it's like people want to envision Native Americans only, you know, before white contact, but you're speaking from who they are right now and what you're learning from these people right now where there's already been a great merge where you might find somebody living in a teepee in Alaska, for goodness sakes. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> It'd be a little chilly. It would um, be, but, you know, I've seen them. I've seen lots of teepees in Alaska, you know, so you say. You know, during the I, summer. I, I remember people saying, how can Lynn say that this woman in South America would do this? That was only done in North America. And I'm like, well, maybe 300 years ago, but now it's done all over. It's okay. 
Well, and they move. And people don't realize that they're very, uh, you know, Native American, Indian people, Native people, move around a great deal, particularly if they're shamanic, you know. Uh, my women, I, there are 44 women in the Sisterhood of the Shields, and we are all from different places. You know, uh, there are women from Australia, so I wrote a book called Crystal Woman, uh, Woman of the Sacred Dreamtime. I wrote that when I was working with Ginny V in um, Australia. Now, she doesn't move around except in Australia itself, but she's she lives in the outback in a Come in a on. village. She goes through portals and goes to stars and time travels. <laughs> oh boy, doesn't she ever? She's fabulous. It's and, true. And she doesn't she doesn't move around the surface of this planet, but that woman moves. Oh yes, oh, I was only. Do. I know those aunties, and they they may look like they're sitting home, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth. That's Maybe when they—that's why they take naps, you know. That's right. They—they <laughs> they, you know fly out of their body, and uh, you know, I wanted to mention, if it's okay, that I just came out with something called the Power Deck, the Cards of Wisdom, and oh, actually, how Tell us more. yeah, it's just a fabulous. Well, it's a deck of cards of all things, and um, I have two sets of cards, actually. One is uh, the Sacred Oracle deck that I did with a Native American gentleman named Robert Taylor from Oklahoma. He's a painter, and he painted these magnificent paintings, and I wrote teachings on the back of each card, teaching things that correspond to the painting. And the power deck is a similar kind of thing, but the artist uh, is Rob Shouten, and he's uh, a Dutch artist, and he lives in this country. But let me tell you a little story. Upon meeting a, a deeply, very wonderful Buddhist monk in Nepal, uh, we talked for a time and a few days and shared various teaching techniques and I was inspired to explore the teaching cards that the monks use when they're working with an apprentice and it's the process of move in the process of moving towards enlightenment when they're trying to teach somebody um, they have these incredible uh, cards that are ancient they're almost falling apart and Grandmother, my uh, grandmother, whom I worked with in the Woman of Weird, also gave me teaching cards, and they were ancient and uh, as powerful as the cards, certainly that I uh, worked with in Tibet and Nepal. Uh, so the two um, sets of cards are very different. The ones that I created, and. I was so inspired by the cards, particularly the ones that grandmother uh, shared with me, that I decided to create Fire Deck. And this is my own deck for this time in history, as we were speaking about. And um, 
I wanted to use the cards as tools for teaching. You know, we talked a minute ago about the whole world being in a nap. Well, sometimes people need to be taken off of their thought pattern. I mean, listening to you work with that one woman a little while ago, I thought, gosh, I wish she had my deck of cards because she's searching for a meaning. And you kept saying that. And uh, she needs a clear path in her yes. life, as you know, as a lot of people do, most people, I guess. And the cards would uh, provide a, an insight for them. And perhaps, you know, the courage to strike out in a new um, and hopefully empowered way. And anyway, I am so excited about this deck of cards. Susan, you would love how, it so much. How could, how could she get a deck? How could I get a deck? How could somebody listening get a deck? Tell us more. Well, it's brand new. It's uh, from um, uh, Beyond Words, uh, which is a Simon & Schuster um, um, well, they're part of Simon and Schuster, I guess. Okay. And I'm, so we I might be There's able a name. to find. We might be able to find. <laughs> so the, the uh, you deck can find the them deck? on on Amazon. You can okay. find them on my website, which is lynnandrews.com. All right. And, and that's L Y N N. Yes. Correct. Two N. Andrews. Just two N's, as in Nellie, <laughs> and <laughs> and Andrews is A N D R E W S, and it's LynnAndrews.com. And um, gosh, I'd welcome you. Come on to the website, and I have you know a newsletter and uh, Facebook and all the wonderful things that people spend so much time doing which I never have time for or time enough. Um, I think if you're working people like we do, working all the time, that um, sacred vision will always assist us on our journey. And it, it, when you use these cards, Susan, it, it kind of stimulates a new way of seeing. You know, you look at the the card, the beautiful painting, these paintings are really something. And you turn over the card <clears throat> and you read a teaching <clears throat> that skips me that is on the other side. And it's, um, you see things differently. I've never seen it fail. And they, the cards assist you in creating a bridge between your sacred life and your everyday life. And if you just pull a card a day, I mean, for this, it was interesting. I pulled a card for our conversation today, and it's a, the card is creativity. And the painting has the most magnificent temple with, it's surreal, in essence, with a crystal, beautiful crystal on an altar and the world sitting beside it and a crane and then in the background of the beautiful Himalayas. And 
in the whole card. I, I won't read the whole thing, but your creativity is a story that needs a voice in the world, a way to be heard, and it has moved into your spirit lodge. Creativity is part of your future life. So that is uh, a perfect card for what we're doing today. Yes, I call it reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. <laughs> to put it succinctly, yes, that's a lovely way to say it. Yes, I see um, each conversation and each idea as a thread and each woman even as a thread who is being woven in and, and uh, again, you know, not to press the point too hard, but to really say, it, this weaving, your words, Lynn, opened this weaving up to me and made me understand that I was an important part of it. And to me, this is so beautiful, the way that you bring everyone in and say, yes, you are an important part of this. That's so true, and it, it, it explores um, the understanding that there is light in the world, divine light, and light defines the darkness. One implies the other. It asks of you how you shine and define others. How, how do you do that? And the cards of both of these deaths um, assist you in creating a bridge between your sacred life and everyday life. And I think that's what's so needed right now. I, I see people following, uh, falling away from um, the divine experience and beauty. I think we don't teach beauty in our schools anymore. We don't have dance or music or poetry, uh, architecture. We used to have even home math. You understood something about the beauty of cooking and sewing. All these things are gone. Don't you think? What do you think about that? I was just reminiscing with, you know, same age friends about how when we went to school, we were required to memorize poems. Mm-hmm. And that skill at memorization has stayed with me throughout my life. And oh, it's a wonderful those, skill. And many of those poems have too. Uh-huh. Oh, is that fabulous? And and yeah, too, I, uh... you know, and the, we were we were experiencing some sadness that children aren't challenged in these ways anymore. Yeah, I I don't know. Different challenges, but mm-hmm. for us, and I think it's part of being a shaman, the challenges need to be somatic. When you talk about that bridge between your spirit life and your other life, to me that's about being somatic, about actually living it, not just thinking about it, not just talking about it, not just reading books about it, but being it. Mm-hmm. Which is a very, very hard thing to do when you have children and you're working hard at a job maybe that you don't like and you had a dream of what you wanted to be 
but you don't follow that dream. And you want to know why, Susan? You know why most people don't follow that dream? I've discovered this. as I've written so many, you know, 21 books, so I have traveled a lot uh, for book signings and things all over the world. And as I travel, I work with those people, uh, everybody that wants a session with me. And I have found that about 92% of the world comes out of abuse. Terrible, terrible abuse. And so those children, don't, they know what their dream maybe was, maybe, but they're following and living someone else's dream just to survive, to keep from being abused in some way. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Yes, I do. I had a woman say to me, well, I would follow my dream, but if I did so-and-so might see me doing that, and so-and-so is friends with so-and-so who knows my aunt who would tell my mother, and my mother would disapprove, so I can't do it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, I looked at her and I said, that's an awful lot of living you're not doing because of a series of what-ifs. Oh, gosh. It, it makes me so sad because this life is so short. And for heaven's sake, whoever is listening, um, discover. Discover why you were born. What are you doing here? Why are you alive? And what is your dream? If you come out of abuse, whether it was moderate or severe, you don't probably know what your dream is. So spend some time uh, finding it. And if you need to, uh, get some help. Get my power deck. Uh, Have a session with me or Susan or the people around you. Um, Find your sacred dream. And that's what you were talking about, isn't it, when you read Medicine Woman? Absolutely. It helped you? That it it said to me that Susan... Susan, you are seeing things from the viewpoint of female, and you're seeing female as the prime mover of things. And it seemed to me like everybody in the world was saying, what are you, crazy? It's all about men. (laughs) Well, it's about balance. Hopefully, dear God, we'll get there someday. Well, as I You know what? Female includes male. Everybody has an X chromosome. If you yeah. talk about female, you are including men. If you talk about men, you aren't including women. If you talk about goddess, you are including God. If you talk about God, you aren't including goddess. Hmm. We, or as Jushana Budapest would say, we all come from the mother. Let's talk about her. And mm-hmm. that's... That's what you said to me, Lynn, and let's face it, we live in a time right now, a female erasure. I just about went through the roof. I opened an article on menopause, and there was a disclaimer at the beginning from the editors of the magazine, and it said, the author of this, this article about menopause talks as though menopause was uh, something that happened only to women. But we want to recognize that trans people might experience this too. And I thought, oh my gosh, women have just been erased. 
and one of the foundational somatic rituals of a woman's life has just been jerked out from under her. Oh, golly, yes. I wrote a book called Woman at the Edge of Two Worlds, The Sacred Journey of Menopause. I love and, that book. That is so wonderful, so rich. Oh, my gosh. And it, it, I was reading it again the other day, and I was just laughing because it's a funny book. You know, I was going through menopause, and oh, my God, you know, I'd go to my gynecologist, and I'd talk to people, and nobody, my mother called it the curse, for heaven's sake. And I, I experienced it, obviously, because of my training is such a sacred time, time to move in to your moon uh, lodge, and how marvelous and difficult. It is difficult. Because you're, you know, when you have hot flashes, you know, you're burning away um, so much karmic debt in a way, you know, mm. that you um, have inherent in your genetics, in your body. Um, what do you feel about that? Yes, that a hot flash is kundalini. It's mm -hmm. life force energy making its way from the earth up through your crown. It is literally enlightenment. There are tens of thousands of men sitting and praying right now for one hot flash. <laughs> That's the truth. Well, and, and you can work a lifetime. Menopause is a foundational somatic ritual of women. And we need to keep it, understand that it is female. And I don't actually like the word feminine in this supercharged atmosphere because feminine to me is a cultural word. I'm not a very f girly girl, you know. I have my uh -huh. Kevlar caps and my Kevlar gloves and my chainsaw. And you know, <laughs> I'm a goat wrangler and I don't wear, you know, pink unless it says um, uh you know, I'm not just a bitch. I, I'm not just a bitch. I'm the bitch, and don't forget it. That's the only picture <laughs> I have. <laughs> oh my darling. Well, you know, I I male. You made me understand that that's all female, because yeah. let's that neither Agnes nor Ruby are very feminine. Yeah, they're very uh, powerful. And right. the powerful is their understanding of the balance of the male and the female um, and the importance of understanding that that balance is incredibly important. And they stand on that. But they're standing on Mother Earth. Mother Earth is, this is a female planet. And to understand your life, you have to understand the female. If you're going to work with a man um, in, say, shamanism, uh, you realize that a man does not know how to live on a female planet. His shields have to be awakened by a woman. 
he has to be taught by a woman. That's why, when to me, this is my explanation, but when men fall in love with a goddess woman, they unconsciously know that that goddess woman will teach him how to live. And what happens so often, as I'm sure you've seen, Susan, over and over again, women fall in love and then they give away their power. And the man ends up leaving them looking for another powerful woman to learn from. And do you, do you see what I'm saying? I absolutely do, and I also, with great astonishment, see the clock in front of my face. Now, this, oh, is, no. a blog, <laughs> this is a blog talk show, Lynn, and usually they shut me down at 9.30. I mean, they turn it off. And that, they've allowed oh. us, that they have allowed you to keep talking means to me that this is a very important message. Uh, Rebecca, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Okay, so we're still on. We're still being recorded. I, I'm totally happy to just let Lynn continue to talk. And just so everybody knows, we are over our time limit, and we're just there's just going to be like a click, and it will be over. But I think that what's coming through here is very important, Lynn, and I'd like you to continue. Um. <laughs> uh. A man's shield has to be awakened by a woman. Shaman yes. is a woman. It means woman. It's a Siberian term. It means woman with drum. So, so you can't have a female shaman, but you can have a, a, a man who is a shaman. And, and worldwide, they dress like women um, when they're yes. shaman. So we yep. really know that what you're saying is about the, we're living on a female earth, and it's very important for us as the archetypes of female to be powerful and that men truly want that in, in their deepest spiritual heart. Oh, yes. Yes. Uh, and need it desperately. Um, you know, people think that creativity and spirit and what we were, what I was talking about, we were talking about schools and how uh, beauty isn't being taught any longer. But you know what's not present, seemingly, um, is the abstract. And abstract is part of personal power as a shaman, in other words, a uh, shaman has the ability to choreograph the energies in the universe. Um, one of the most important aspects of shamanism. So uh, people think that uh, the sacred or creativity is outside of them. Um, they think truth and power is outside of them. But it inhabits you like your own life force, and it animates your being. So shamanism or creativity or the ability to heal is within, um, I would say, the crystal palace of your mind, if you will. 
And we are each and every one of us, uh, we're going on a very long journey, and it's called your life. And as you travel, um, I could say that you will learn to heal the evil forces of darkness, whatever that means to you. But you are a warrior in the fight against ignorance. That is for sure. (laughs) And it's ignorance that's the issue to me. Darkness is ignorance, but not the way people think of it as some evil force taking over something. Um, It's your ignorance that is shifting your life out of the light. Um, Mm. I mean, people think that dark sorcerers are created within each of us when we live a life of, say, unexpressed creativity, not being able to find your voice in the world and you're not being heard. But when you have come, say, out of abuse, uh, which I think so many people have and they don't even realize it, uh, living somebody else's dream, in other words, when we live someone else's truth and not our own, we are, um, uh, we're not truly alive. Mm. So I would ask everyone that's listening, please define your creativity because that's, uh, and live that creativity in the world. And that's the source of your spirit. That's, that's how you move into a world of balance. It's not out there in the political madness uh, and chaos. It's within you. You know, we, we don't realize that we really are all one. So if there's a war over in the Middle East and we're over here in America, we're responsible for that war in the sense that we're responsible for our own reality. So if you have an illness, let's just say someone has a weakness for diabetes in their history, in their DNA. So if you realize that, maybe you could stop eating all of that sugar or maybe, maybe, just maybe, you could learn to metabolize the sweetness in your life. That's what that's what I find with people, uh, particularly diabetics. They cannot figure out how to metabolize the good things that happen to them. How so to does, let does that make sense to you? In to their cells. Yes, yes. Because in type two diabetes, the cells become resistant. What are they resistant to? Yes. Oh, they are. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly as you're saying, the real, you know, and I agree with you. I see this in people, that wonderful things are happening in their lives. And to me, it's part of the evil eye cultures. Yes. 
that there's yes. a deep set belief in some human cultures that to praise anyone or anything is to invite disaster. Yeah. Isn't that a tragedy? Oh, Truly. my heavenly days. Yes. Yeah. And uh, you are so magnificent as any human being is. Oh, my. Oh, my God. You know, you're. You're like a perfected orchid. I'm looking at an orchid right now, and I'm thinking that's what we're like. We're that perfected uh, bloom that has just come out of a little stalk of a flower. You know, wow! How does wow? How can you see this magnificent um, harmony and and the beauty that is in? All living things. How can you see that? A redwood tree, uh, anything, even a blade of grass, and not realize that you're living in magic. <laughs> but you know, for magic to happen in your life, you got to believe in magic, right? You got to believe in magic. As I often say, I lead a charmed life, but leading a charmed life means you have to keep your ears and your eyes open and respond instantly. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. You know, if you have you ever received your power animal in any way? Yes and no. Be interesting for us to do a ceremony someday because I learned so much. Um, I remember I was sitting with Agnes and Ruby one day and we were, you know, having something to eat. We're down by the creek and they, they asked me, they said, what do you think your power animal is? Ruby asked. <laughs> and I said, oh, I'm a deer. Oh, I just love deer. They're so beautiful. It's just a deer. And they rolled around laughing at me, rolling around on the ground going, oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, later, you know, I did ceremony and meditation and all kinds of things, and I found my power animal was a wolf. And wolves are predatory. Uh, they hunt, whereas a deer is a grazer, right? Yes. And he's hunted. It's right. not a hunter. And a wolf is a hunter. We are um, very predatory. But you're predatory about knowledge and wisdom. Wolves are the first lycanthropists. They're the first um, teachers. They go down all the paths of the world and come back and teach their young. They're, they're little babies. Mm. And they teach them how to live. How to hunt mm. and how to find their wisdom. And it was such a change for me. I realized, yeah, you're very predatory. And if you're a predator like a big cat, like a tiger or a wolf or any of the predatory animals, you have to be careful with your eyes because eyes are predatory. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. You know, you're very predatory. 
in that you have been able to function so beautifully as a healer and have a program and work with all these people all these years. Um, you know, you, you have hunted down uh, disease and found fabulous plants and how they heal. Oh, my God, what a great thing to do. I would love to have had the time to understand that more. You do have a, a mystery school and a writing school, yes? Yeah? Oh, I do indeed. That's those, since they it, apparently going to let us talk as long as we want to, so hooray, let's do it. <laughs> I, uh, yes, my, my mystery school is a shamanic school, and I... You know, I wanted so much to share with people what I have learned and to incorporate spiritual and mystical teachings. And Wade, I couldn't work with everybody. You know, I'm only one person. You can't either. You're only one person. And so I wrote the curriculum for four years and it was to learn to work together, to be able to sense and see energy, and how energy manifests within yourself and others, uh, to learn how this energy can influence or control the flow of your life experience. In other words, if you don't understand your energy, most likely you will misuse it. So... You can heal your energy flow, right? And so... You can bring your energy flow into greater accordance with universal energy flow, which will usually get you better results. Exactly. And then you understand how to bring form into the world. Yes. And how to, how, what does that mean? You know, what does it mean? to have a place of power, uh, an object of power. Why, is, why are my medicine bags powerful? You know, how do you infuse something in a way that doesn't manipulate other people, but imbues it with light? Mm. And you prepare for building your dream body and develop the skills for lucid dreaming, you know, where you remember what your dream is, right? And to understand... And where you are present within that. I know that there's a whole um, school of dream body meditation in Tibet or Nepal. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you know the name of that school? I don't. Do you? No, I no. I'm sorry, I don't. I don't either. I've forgotten that. Quite fascinating. Um, when when women apply to be part of the Green Goddess Week, I tell them they have to work 26 hours a day because we give them dream assignments. Oh, isn't that great? Like what? Give me an example. They are to meet with me in the group at a certain place at a certain time while we're asleep. Oh. That's great. And they learn to do that. Yes. 
starting from thinking that I am asking something that no one could do. They soon learn yeah. that actually that's quite easy to do. Wow. And then you ask them to remember what your teaching was, for instance? Exactly. As they get better at it. Uh. So you create, or people learn, like my students, they create a place uh, for power that is coming in to live within them. You have to make a place for relationships and abundance and all of dreams, uh, like you're speaking of, I think. Yes. And to love and accept ourselves enough to open our hearts to power. You know, power, people get scared of the word power because they think, oh, you're talking about power over someone. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Um, And it's a process of initiation, isn't it? Um, Well, at the first initiation, I tell people, I want you to understand the law of three. What you put out will come back to you threefold. Yes. But by the second initiation, it's coming back tenfold. Yes. And as you gain in power, what you put out comes back to you in greater and greater amount and faster and faster. That's right. And you learn so that you're never born the, and you the never working, die. The working of power is inherently self-limiting. Because should you decide to put out into the world something that is truly nasty, you are going to get it a million times back. Absolutely. Depending, uh, it's like intent, isn't it? Yeah. Um, a sacred intent is to understand and experience uh, the act or the movement of becoming one with, say, a waterfall or a cloud or a crystal. So you connect with the oneness by being part of all it is. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. It's. I had a an event up at uh, Ghost Ranch one year, mm-hmm. and we had a beautiful big sacred fire. We have uh, at same events I'm going to have in Prescott this year at the end of July, and uh, part of that event is to realize um, that it is in the silence, in the center of the storm that just that precious moment between lightning and thunder when with your intent and the focus of your sacred will you can move and choreograph the energies of the universe and we had been talking about this working on it all day and uh, working on shields and we went out at night uh, to present the artwork, the beautiful things that we'd created to the sacred fire. And there was the most extraordinary thunder 
and lightning <laughs> that accompanied us. I mean, the thunder beings joined us, absolutely. You could see them. Oh. And, uh, yeah, it was it was something. And everybody saw it. Uh, it was something. Wow. Uh, yes, I love it when nature seems to play along. Yes. And says, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, me too. I want to be there with you. <laughs> Let me play too. <laughs> you know, I am losing my voice, Susan. Well, Lynn, perhaps we should say goodnight. We have such had such a wonderful, delicious, long, and satisfying drink of you. Thank you so much. I certainly don't want to wear out your voice. I always give my <laughs> the last minute to say something pithy to leave in the hearts and the minds of everybody who's listening. Would you like that? Absolutely. Okay. You want me to do that? Yes, you get the last minute to to leave. The last, <laughs> right? Just oh. just right. Just one minute to say something pissy to everybody for them to be feeling and thinking about. Well, um, take responsibility for mm-hmm. this magnificent world that you have created. Take a moment. In your, <clears throat> in your anger, in I just see so much dysfunction in the world today, in particularly our beautiful country. We forget how beautiful it is. Um, you mm. know, it's like a waterfall. And a waterfall symbolizes a source of power. And it symbolizes the creative force of the universe. And it's flowing through you and reflected in your own heart, every one of you. Um, As you approach, for instance, if you would just dream this, as you approach a waterfall, you sense and see its energy. And first you feel the air. And it changes around you as you come closer. And you take your time and experience this waterfall in your dream time with the body mind. The body mind that is around your navel, around your, uh, that area of your body, <laughs> which is where the body mind lives. And it was your first mind and then imagine what it would be like to be part of the cascading water of the waterfall and now become part of the rock formation that is being slowly reshaped by the power of that water and the waterfall symbolically represents the path of the apprentice moving towards personal power. And we're all the apprentice to the beauty and the light of the great spirit that is all around you. Clothe yourself 
in that beautiful golden light as you move into your sacred dreams tonight. And blessings and so much love to all of you. I stand in utter respect for the lives that we are all living. Mm. And Susan, you are magnificent. And thank you so very much for this program. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for being such an important part of reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And thank you, Rebecca, for your part in that reweaving, too. And herbal medicine is people's medicine. We'll get together, Lynn, and we'll do a little herbs together sometime sooner than either. Oh, I would love that. They I would. Oh, darling, that's wonderful. We'll do that soon, I hope. Love to you. Green bless you, everybody. Good night. Namaste. Good night. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vdw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus